a person leave his home, leave his comfort, leave his bedding, and sit in a car and travel early uh, in the hours of the morning. So, alhamdulillah, I want to just uh, share that, how blessed I should feel and you all feel should to have one another here and to be part of that group of blessed individuals who are given the tawfiq by Allah Azza wa Jal to attend the masjid uh, in the early hours, even in these summer months. And we only ask Allah Azza wa Jal for istiqamah. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He continues to bless us with this honor of visiting His house regularly and especially for Fajr and Aisha. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim rabbi shahli sadri wa yassir li amri wa halul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'alamtana subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'alamtana subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'alamtana اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك اللهم افتح أقفال قلوبنا بذكرك وأتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار يا وهاب يا وهاب يا الله Beloved brothers and sisters, dear listeners السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our gathering here tonight and today and make our sitting here a means of our salvation, our forgiveness. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal by the end of the majlis that He allows all of our sins to be forgiven, to be replaced with good deeds. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He inspire all of us to listen with the intention of practicing and the intention of propagating. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that whatever our needs are today in this, in this time and age whatever we're going through are the needs of our spouses the needs of our children may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to hear such words that will become a source of help and a source of inspiration in dealing with whatever issues any one of us are dealing with Amin I'm going to share with us today a one hadith a famous hadith but nonetheless very beneficial and important for all of us to reflect on hadith of related by Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu related by Imam Ahmad Imam Tirmidhi he says qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the Prophet said, من يأخذ عني هؤلاء الكلمات فيعمل بهن أو يعلمهن من يعمل بهن قال أبو هريرة فقلت أنا يا رسول الله فأخذ بيدي فعد خمسا فقال اتق المحارم تكن أعبد الناس ورض بما قصب الله لك تكن أغنى الناس وأحسن إلى جارك تكن مؤمنا وأحب للناس ما تحب لنفسك تكن مسلما ولا تكثر الضحك فإن كثرة الضحك تميت القلب رواه أحمد Uh, the Prophet said, Who is here who will take from me these pieces of word, these words of advice? Who here is willing to take from me these words of advice and shall practice on it or teach someone who may practice on it? Two things practice on it or teach someone who may practice on it. Abu Hurairah was sitting in the crowd said, I am ready, Ya Rasulullah, I am ready to listen to whatever you have to say. And I shall practice on it and teach someone else who will practice, or teach someone else who will practice on it. He took my hand. And he counted five. Counted five different things. And he said, Stay away from those things which have been forbidden. You will become the greatest worshiper. The greatest worshiper you will become if you stay away from those things which Allah has prohibited. Become content and happy with what Allah has destined for you. What Allah has written for you. What Allah has distributed 
to you. Takun nas, you will be the wealthiest of people. ila jarik, be kind and be good to your neighbor. Takun mu'mina, you will be a believer. And love for the people what you love for yourself. Takun muslima, you'll be a Muslim. And do not laugh excessively. For indeed, laughing excessively kills the heart. Naturally, these are very deep, deep words. These are the words of Rasulullah. So books can and are have been written on you know each of these topics. But we will inshallah go through briefly through each of these sections. Number one. Let's look at here Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam is saying who is here willing to take from take from me something and to practice on it and to teach someone else who will practice on it. We notice here how to address people. When speaking to people, we want to make sure that our speech is not landing on deaf ears, but it is some it is being presented in a manner to such a group of people who are willing to take if you speak on and on and on to people who are not interested in listening to what you have got to say, or you have not done a good job of attracting their focus and attention, then what we'll say will become worthless. We ourselves have made the worth of our words gone down by speaking to a group of people who have no value for that. And that is why the ulama have written many etiquettes of students of knowledge student and etiquettes of teachers have also mentioned the etiquettes of who you should teach and who you should not teach. And from amongst those is that someone who doesn't value what you're teaching them, then there's no point in teaching them until you teach them to value first what you're teaching them. Otherwise the example has been given, the one who places knowledge, this is what's written in the books, the one who gives knowledge, places it in front of the one who doesn't deserve it, is like the one who puts on a ring, who puts on a necklace of pearls and gems, on a pig. A jewelry, a piece of jewelry, very beautiful, very attractive, very valuable. But there is a proper place for it to be placed. That same piece of jewelry which is worth thousands, if it's placed on a pig, not only will it not be appropriate, not only will it not look beautiful, but what will happen? People will not want to even look at that piece of jewelry. If now you take it off, off of a pig and say, who wants to buy this? For example, people will not be interested. People will say, this, where is this coming from? We're not interested. So what happens? You actually not only do no benefit to the one you're giving it to, you actually devalue what you have actually placed in front of them. So someone, who, so then who are the people who are worthy of receiving knowledge? What do we need to have? Or he just said that. He said, who's going to take from me words who will practice on it and teach those who will practice on it? Meaning that is the condition we should have. Whenever we sit in any dars, you hear me all the time mentioning this. That make intention at the beginning of the lesson to practice on it and to preach it to others and share it with others. That is necessary. What's the point of us sitting in any talk if we don't pr- intend to practice on it? There's no point in that. And we, should, we should utilize our time in a more appropriate manner. So making the niyyah of practicing on what we're hearing is well, the number one condition. 
We, our life is short and the hadith are many and things are many to do. Conjunctions, sunnas are a lot. How can we practice possibly in everything? Well then make niyyah of propagating it to others. That at least inshallah such people out there who will practice on what you are teaching, you will still get the ajr and the reward. Right? Now this doesn't mean that if a person does not, he listens with the intention that I'm not going to practice, but I'm just going to keep on giving bayans and telling people that that's acceptable. No, that's not acceptable either. Because there are certain things that you cannot possibly practice yourself. Say a person doesn't have, he sits and learns about all the detailed injunctions of zakat. But he does not have enough money to give zakat. That doesn't mean that he wasted his time. He can go ahead and teach others. A person does not have the means of performing hajj right now. But he learned about hajj. And now he will answer questions to those who are gone, who had gone for hajj. That's fine. So like this, there are certain things that are not applicable to us. We're learning about marriage while we're not married. Uh, we're learning about how to raise kids while we do not have any children. But a person can go ahead and teach others on these topics. So the condition for all of us, whenever we sit in any lesson, is this, to practice yourself or to teach, not just anyone and everyone, but again, to teach such people who will be wanting to practice on that. So my beloved brothers and sisters, as we progress, we need to keep on focusing on becoming appropriate, proper students of knowledge. All those conditions, all those uh, sifat and attributes that are required to become a student of knowledge, we should try our best to inculcate that. And this, this badge, I've said this before, this badge of talib al-ilm is very, very beautiful. What are you? I'm a student of knowledge. It's so nice. By you saying that, you open up so many doors of blessings for yourself. It's like that passport that everyone wants, the American passport. Opens up a lot of doors. It is a blessing, no doubt. So when a person becomes a student of knowledge, then so many different things open up. How people aspire to, to come to this country to get the passport. We are born here, so we don't necessarily always appreciate it. And I tell my fellow you know, brothers as well, I said, you know what, as, as students of knowledge, actually one of my asatita, one of my teachers, right, my Sheikh Abdullah, was mentioning this on my, on my trip. He was giving advice to some American students who were studying in Turkey at the moment. And he was saying, you all should make niyyah. Not only to serve deen in your community in America, wherever you are from, but you should make niyyah to go back to your, your place where your parents have come from. And to make an effort over there. Have a global vision of making khidmah of deen. Because you will, you're, because you're living, born and raised in America, when you go back to the countries that where your parents have immigrated from, you will actually have a lot of say. People will respect you. People will look up to you because simply because you're coming from America. And you will be able to get the work done that others may not be able to get that work done. Which is very true. My own experience. Uh, I have this uh, same thing. Traveling uh, abroad to India, Pakistan, for example, opens up opportunities for you to speak and to share the words of deen and to leave an impression upon the people where many times local people are not able to have that same impact. Simply because we are coming from America. And number two is that the American passport, mashallah, it gets you to many places without visa or easy to get the visa. So we, it is a responsibility upon us that we should have also a greater focus area. 
where we would like to share the words of Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Which places are we going to go make the effort on the people's iman? Where are we going to go make an effort on trying to save people from the burning fire of hell? As many places as possible because we have opportunities open to us that are not open to other people. So this is a big blessing, no doubt, and we should truly take, make niyyah for it. I want all of you to make niyyah right now about what I'm just saying. If you have this passport, don't just say I'm here, to, I got this passport, khalas, and I'm sitting and enjoy life. That with this, I'm going to do the work of deen. I'm going to travel for the sake of hidayah, for the sake of spreading the deen. Not just for vacations, but for the sake of spreading the deen. So just like a person tries to do whatever he can to get here. One of my teachers in South Africa, he said there's one person in his masjid who would always be speaking again, you know, say, Sheikh, did you hear what Americans have done now? Did you hear this, this thing, that thing, this thing? 20, 30 years ago when, when these wars have started across the globe. So he, every day he, was, he would come and speak to the imam of various news of Americans' politics. And he would protest. By where are you going this Friday, Saturday? I'm going to protest against the um, you know, U.S. invasion of Iraq or U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, etc. He was, he was all that. One day, he came to the sheikh and he said to the Maulana, my ustad, and he said, Inshallah, Maulana, make dua for me. Inshallah, hope we see you soon sometime. I'm traveling. He said, oh really, you're leaving? He said, yeah, I'm leaving. He said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to America. You're going to America? What are you going to America for? You always smile and bash, you're protesting, you're leading all the protests, everything. What's going on? He said, no, you know, my wife is expecting, we'd like to go to America to, to, have, our first, to have our child born there so you can become a citizen. And then we get all, you know, jump on the boat afterwards too. So he shared this with He said, look, this same person protests all day. And then when he came, when he came to this, he jumped. So that's the haqiqah. People want to come in, right? Because they look at the opportunities, financial opportunities, and this and that. Why are they doing that? They're in, are they not upset about what's happening about in certain political positions? Yes, of course they're upset. Do they, did, did their family maybe not get harmed by that? Maybe they did. But then at the end of the day, it's like, man, there's a lot of benefits to having that passport. So let's go. My, my, the reason I give you that example is that when a person understands the value of something, he will do whatever it takes, even if people are going to make fun of him. Similarly, when you know what becoming a student of knowledge opens up for you, you will become a student of knowledge. You'll say, yes, I'm a full-time employee of some place. I'm a full-time owner of a company. But I am going to take some time out to be registered as a student of knowledge. So you're coming here, if you make a habit of coming here every single Saturday morning, you're a student of knowledge. Because why? A student of knowledge is someone who shows up to class. You don't, you, there's no such class you can take one day and then you don't show up for the next six months. What kind of class is that? So if we, if we have become an attending, attendee for the Saturday morning program, if we're a student of knowledge, that means every single week I'm there. Tuesday nights we have a program here. Thursday nights we have a program. In any other masjid, that is a program. You say, I am not attending as just a musalli. I am now changing my name. I am a student. I'm a talib al-ilm. I'm going to sit there with this focus. These brothers, it's all about the mindset. Because you know why? If you just sit as a drive through musalli, you sit for 20 minutes, you're like, brother, you know, I just want to go home. Then you stand up and leave. You don't do that for class. You sit from the beginning to the end. And you sit every day or however often that class takes place. And you take your notes. You revise your notes. You come prepared. Right? Uh, you ask questions. You listen with the hope, with the benefit of, of actually building upon this. Not just, okay, you take and throw, take and throw. But every single lesson that you're taking is, a, is building a foundation for the next. And over years, you compile a huge amount of knowledge. That's what I'm trying to say. 
You don't have to actually leave work to come and enroll in a program. You don't have to. If you can, if the means are there for you, by all means, mashallah, go ahead and do that. But even while keeping your work, whatever programs are happening in any masjid that you attend, make niyyah that you are now a talib al-ilm and put on the talib al-ilm cap and start acting like a talib al-ilm. And what will happen? That will open up for you all the rewards that are there for talib al-ilm. Now, whichever town you came from to come to Salat al-Fajr today, What's happening? You, if you came at the knee of Talib al-Ilm, you didn't drive on the road. You drove over the wings of the angels coming to study ilm. You didn't come alone. You came with thousands. I promise you, Wallahi, this is the hadith says that. You came with thousands and thousands of birds in the sky making dua for you. you thousands and millions of probably fish out in the lakes and the seas and the rivers making dua of maghfirah for you. And the angels spreading their wings because you are a Talib al-Ilm. So all of you make niyyah, inshallah, that we are what? We are tullab al-ilm. We are students of knowledge. It's all the mindset. Once you internally decide to do that, your label will change. The rewards will open up for you. And then you just got to make sure you follow through those etiquettes. So just this is the first part. That make niyyah of practicing and sharing with those who will practice. Abu radiallahu anhu, mashallah, most prolific narrator of hadith. He raises his hand, you know, or he does or he doesn't, whatever. He says, Ana, I am. I am ready, Ya Rasulullah, to be that person. Look at, he made that niyyah. Now, 1500 years later, we're sitting there taking his name. Imagine how much ajr he's got. He's the narrator of this hadith. Allahu Akbar. How many literally millions of people have mentioned Abu Hurairah's name from the time he heard that hadith till now? Because he simply presented himself. Who's ready? He said, I'm ready. I'm ready to listen to what you have to share and practice on it and share with others. Look at the power of that ikhlas. Look at the power of that niyyah. That because of that one majlis, it was just re- literally one Friday, one, one, one post-fajr gathering, one post-dhuhr stroll, one after asr majlis. Allahu alam where this occasion took place. But it was not longer than probably three, four minutes, this, this whole discussion going on here. But now... Hundreds and hundreds of years later, tens of centuries later, we are taking his name before we mention the hadith. And he is getting the full ajr of anyone till today, the hundreds who may be listening now to this talk. All subhanAllah going back to Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. My beloved brothers and sisters, we learn from here the power of ikhlas and the power of having a lofty intention. Because this is Manan Ilyas this beautiful statement. He said one day he heard a khatib giving a bayan. He heard a scholar giving a talk. After the bayan finished, he went up to that scholar and said, MashaAllah, you know, good, great talk. May I ask you, what were you thinking of and what was your intention when you were giving this khutbah? He said, my intention was that all these people who I'm speaking to probably didn't even have a mic at that time, right? So it could not have been too many people in that masjid, right? Maybe a couple hundred people. He said, whoever is listening to my talk, I was making intention that I hope Allah gives them the tawfiq, that they soften up and they listen to what I've got to say and they practice on it. MashaAllah, that's good. At least he didn't say that I'm just hoping to become trending on, on social media, right? <laughs> his, his, his goal was, I want people to practice. That's it. He said, that's it. So Mawlana told him, Mawlana told him, that subhanAllah, if you had just changed your intention a little bit, and you made that intention, that Ya Allah, allow my words to ring true across the globe. Allow my words to penetrate through all places. Allow these words of Allah and His Rasul that I'm sharing, 
allow it to spread across the globe, you would not have to speak louder. You would not have to scream. You would not have to speak longer. You wouldn't have to change anything. But simply based on your lofty intention, you would have had a much, much greater assistance and help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal would have helped you and assisted you and you would have gotten the reward of that. He went to go teach that scholar the, the, the way and the purpose of whenever we are doing anything, have a global vision of the ummah of Rasulullah Do not be self-centered. Do not be centered on our town and our village. Be, you know, have lofty goals and intentions and, and have the whole world in front of you. We live, especially now we live in a global village. One of the last time that I saying in time before the internet, before WhatsApp, before YouTube, live streaming, before anything. SubhanAllah. You know, this is, this, is what, this is the intention you and I need to make. Whenever we listen or whenever we share, whatever we do, make niyyah, ya Allah, let this small amal of mine, action of mine, allow the nur of it to spread across the world. Because hidayah comes from where? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not your efforts. Not my efforts. When you are sitting there telling your son, daughter, come on, wake up for Salat al-Fajr. Or, let's go for Aisha together. Or you're trying to convince them to... Uh, you know, start dressing modestly. You're trying to convince them to start following a specific sunnah. In that process, as you're making efforts, you take them out to ice cream, you take them out to eat somewhere while you have this conversation, you take them out for a stroll and discuss these issues. You're going for a long drive and you're talking in the car. As you're making this effort, Ya Allah, and you're making dua, Ya Allah, guide my son, guide my daughter, guide my spouse. Our, even in that time, make niyyah, Ya Allah, allow every father's communication with his son to improve. Allow every mother's talk with her daughter to become effective. Allow every husband's discussion with his wife and every wife's discussion with her husband to become powerful and effective. So you're doing your, what you're doing, one person speaking to another person. But your niya is across the globe. And you're saying, Ya Allah, please make everyone else successful. Imagine how much help Allah will give you. He looks at the sympathy and empathy that you have for the ummah of Rasulullah wasallam. That as you're speaking to your son and daughter, you are thinking about all those sons and daughters out there who need assistance, who need guidance, and whose dads and moms are trying. But they seem to be hitting a brick wall. The wall of China. They don't understand how to get over this. Well, subhanAllah, you're making that dua, at least hopefully, you will be inshaAllah being assisted in your conversation. First thing now, after he, okay, then he, so he takes his hand. Another thing, one before we get to the hadith. He takes his hand. This is also another mode of being an effective communicator, an effective teacher. Is that you not only use your hand gestures, which is very important, use facial expressions, use your power. Nowadays you say use your PowerPoint, use your whiteboard, use your smart board, use a, uh, you know, uh, any it's re- multimedia resources, etc. Use whatever you have at your disposal to be an effective teacher. Along with that, sometimes you need to put your hand on someone's shoulder. Sometimes you shake someone's hand. All right? Sometimes you, you tell someone, hey, come ride my car. Let's get in the car. Nabi Ali what did he do? He would he'd tell sometimes, come sit behind me on the camel. And then let's talk. There's a famous story of Abdullah ibn Abbas. Ya gulam, oh gulam, oh young boy. And then Rasulullah gives him beautiful advice. He was sitting behind the Prophet So you have to, in order to impart your knowledge, you have to try all the different means to be effective. Sometimes teaching in a classroom, or as a father, sitting there simply teaching at home, in the kitchen, might not be the best place. You need to go for a drive. You need to go for a ride. You need to go for a walk. You need to go for a stroll. 
change up the place and, and, and make, it, make it such that the person you're speaking to understands. For example, an employer that needs to be an effective communicator to his employee, there's some problems happening. Now you call into someone into the office and it's very formal. We all know nowadays, Allah protect all of you are an hour risk. But you know what happens when people call into the VP's office, for example, or manager's office, it's not a nice feeling because you know so many people are getting laid off, right? All kinds of things are happening. So if you want to get something done, there's one way is to come make it all uh, uh, you know, proper and say, come to the office and sit down and hey, this is the problem. But on the other hand, if you want to also get, you want to be able to get the work done without uh, necessarily breaking someone's heart or upsetting someone, another way is you can go for a stroll. There are some, there are some principles like this out there in Madaris. If they have anything to speak to one of their teachers, employees or colleagues of the madrasa, the way they address that issue is they go for a stroll. Say after us, let's go, we need to, let's go for a walk. So now while they're walking, a lot of the things, issues are taken care of. You're not face to face, you're not looking at each other into the eye. You don't have this um, power differential, very obvious power differential, as someone be sitting behind this big desk and someone sitting across the desk. And already now a person feels like I'm being, you know, talked down to. Instead, what happens? You are two, you know, equals who are walking with each other, all right, and enjoying the breeze and whatnot. Mashallah, now after the rain, and you're getting the work done without creating any ill feelings. So there's hikmah in there. Is what I'm trying to say. There's ways we have to learn. Let's think about the outside the box, and we don't have to even look at what non-Muslims have written. We look and study what Rasulullah himself has done. Why did he grab his hand? Right? That's what I'm trying to say. He took his hand to get his attention and to build this relationship. When you take someone's hand, you're expressing to them that you're very close to them and they're very close to you. And so now when someone feels that you, ha- you are close to them and that you are expressing love and muhabba towards them, then they're obviously going to be more willing to listen. If they, if they, if you know, this is it. Really try this out at home when you need to advise your kids or someone before you, before you say what you need to say, you preface it with words of muhabba, words of love, words of kindness. And then it makes it a soft landing. You're sugarcoating whatever you need to say. Right? It's, you, are, uh, you are presenting whatever you need to say in a nice manner that the, the little child, young boy, young girl, is more willing to listen. But if we go right at it, at what the actual problem is, and the person may shut down and may not want to, <clears throat> Listen, mashallah, look at, we haven't even gotten to the hadith, how many beautiful things we learn, right? Just from the words, the actions of Rasulullah and Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. This is why we say that the seerah of Rasulullah, the sunnah of Rasulullah, the ba'ajaib and the beauty of it never finishes. You know, any day, every day of our lives, there is so much to be taken from there. So now, the first thing he says is that you want to become a big worshiper? Well, how do you become a big worshiper? How do you become an abid? We think of abid as the one who does a lot, who prays excessively, who fasts excessively, who stays awake excessively in ibadah. This is what we all think what abid is. The Prophet ﷺ did not focus on what you need to do to become an abid. He said what you need to not do in order to become an abid. Takhliya before takhliya. Start leaving things out. Takhliya is to empty something out. So if we want to 
uh, I give usually I give the example to the students that if you have an old house that you want to paint in the summer you want to do a paint a renovate an old old farmhouse you go there it's filled with filth and, and junk but it's also filled with lots and lots of in, uh, cobwebs insects all over the place if you take the most expensive fresh coat of paint and you start painting that will not be a very smart move because what will happen is those cobwebs those insects those mosquitoes, those everything that's there for years, uh, d- d- all sorts of live and dead flies will actually become part of the decoration on the wall for good. Right? When you paint it, everything will be stuck, will be stuck there. No matter how nice coat of paint you'll have, you'll have these huge, these big, big black dots there. So what is it? These are all dead flies, dead spiders. That's not a smart move. Instead, we'll take a, sw- a broom and sweep, take a vacuum and clean the wall. Maybe even chisel away the old paint. This is what you call takhliya. Get rid of all the skeletons. Get rid of all the filth, the dirt. Once you clean it up properly, then you come with a fresh coat of paint, what we call in the uh, terminology of taskiya, tahliya. From huli, which means jewelry. Which, tahliya means beautify it with jewelry or beautify it, simply beautify it. So we first empty our heart from all the filth that's in there before we add in a lot of things. This is the usual process. <clears throat> Sometimes, in order to assist us with tahliya, you have to do a little tahliya as well. What do I mean by that? When you're going to clean up this, uh, this, this huge uh, um, you know, room, a room that is, or house that is, has not been used for for years, you might just get so overwhelmed by the stench that's coming out from there. You might get so overwhelmed by everything else there. It's, it's, it's so dark, muggy, lights don't work, and it's filled with all these crawling insects. So naturally, what, you, what are some of the things you're going to do? More than likely, you're going to go and change the light bulb. Put on a bright light bulb. You might get some um, incense, oud, uh, bukhur, air freshener, candle, whatever, because it's stinking. You can open up the windows, get some fresh air. Right? You might put on your favorite tilawa or nasheed as, or surah al-Baqarah, whatever, while you're working there. They, these are forms of tahliya. But you're doing that tahliya in order to facilitate your tahliya. You are adding certain things. You're bringing that incense. You're bringing that new light bulb. You're bringing that um, you know, uh, air freshener, etc. to assist you in the process of cleaning. So, if you want to get rid of your bad habits and remove the old skeletons that are sitting there in the closet, sometimes you have to do tahliya. For, for example, sitting in the house of Allah, someone who's filled with all sorts of baggage. He's got loads of baggage of sins. We're not going to say, first take care of that before you come to the masjid. No. Rather, coming to the masjid itself will, will be... Um, what you call beneficial in assisting what you're trying to achieve. A masjid is the perfect place to start. But yeah, I don't even pray. What's the point of me coming to the masjid? No problem. You can sit in the back. Okay, just come. But simply coming in this environment of the house of Allah Azza wa Jal will freshen you up to a degree. Will you sit there and say, you know, what? I got to give this sin up. 
Astaghfirullah. He's speaking about this interesting. I gotta give this up. I gotta give this up. So what does he do? This is like your training wheels. Even if you're not praying, simply coming to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sitting in a gathering like this, will give you the willpower and the strength to be able to do what you know you need to do, but you simply are not motivated to do. This is the barakah of the house of Allah. This is the barakah of gatherings of knowledge and dhikr. Any uh, tafsidi gathering, dars, hadith, etc. that is happening, make sure you do not deprive yourself of that simply by saying that I'm too sinful and I don't do the basics. You're telling me to go to some tafsir, some hadith class on the other end of the city. I am so sinful. That's why I'm telling you to go. Because you need that environment. Sitting at home is not going to help. Okay, so we got that. So in order to do takhliya first, but in order to do takhliya, sometimes you need to do tahliya. You need to beautify yourself with certain things. Okay, but still, to, get, to become the ultimate worshiper, what, is, what do we need to learn? We have to learn how to stay away from haram. That's why Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi alayhi, in his Bidayatul Hidayah, a beautiful book that we covered here some years ago, The Beginning of Guidance. In there, he has one section called for ta'at. Right, one section on obedience and one section on manahi one section on things that you're not supposed to do so when it comes to that section we usually when we teach that book we go right to page 93 right, where all the uh, forbidden things are mentioned we focus on that in our class <clears throat> so in there he mentions in that first page of the section of staying away from the forbidden things he says doing good to do good everyone can do it what happened yesterday? It was like 97. Real feel was how much? Over 100? Probably. 97 and at Asr time. And it was long. And the hundreds and thousands of people fasted. Wow. All day. Staying away from 345 all the way till 820. That's a very long fast. But people did it. That's over here. I don't know. Other places, other parts of the world even longer. What happens? It's the season. He, maybe he didn't pray Juma the last week, but now he's fasting in Ashura. 100%. There are people like that who may not have prayed Juma the previous week, but fasting this week. How is this possible? Because when there's an environment for something, we end up doing amazing things. Someone who doesn't pray Juma and Eid, he ends up going for Umrah. He's doing Umrah upon Umrah, Tawaf upon Tawaf. Wow. What's going on? Environment changes him. So that's why Imam Ghazali he gets right to the point. He says, to do good deeds, anyone can do it. You just give, put him in the right place, he'll do amazing things. But then he said, stay away from sin. This is the hard one. Only the Siddiq, the only the absolute truthful people are the ones who are capable of doing that. Doing what? Leaving sin. You have to, when you say, I love Allah, and you mean it. When you tell your children, when you tell your spouse, when you tell your parents, I love you. I think most people probably won't say how much, but the spouse may ask how much, right? So we're, we want to see the, you know, the, the, the proof in the pudding. Where, where, where is, where is, what is the uh, uh, proof of the love? Well, same thing. When I say I love Allah, how much? You know what the proof is? The proof is I want to do something, I'm inclined to do something, I'm attracted to do something, I'm addicted to do something. But my Allah does not want me to do it. And I say, Ya Allah, I love you more than I love these things. Khalas, I give it up for you. That is called true love. It's easy to make claims of loving Allah and being a Muslim. 
But the proof in the pudding is when you throw out every such thing that Allah doesn't want you to do. Even though you like it, you want to do it, or Allah forbid you're addicted to do it. But you say, no, for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal, I choose to give this up. That's a powerful statement. That action of yours is filled with the mahabba of Allah. Allahu Akbar. When people will come convert to deen, become new Muslims, or make tawbah, how they come and throw away their haram CDs uh, in the old days. You know, the music CDs they throw away, magazines they throw away, cigarettes they throw away, alcohol they throw away, all sorts of stuff. They throw away their relationships, haram relationships. How is this happening? Because these people are Siddiq. They are truth, truthful people who have decided to give up all the haram. And many times these brothers who, 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 and brothers and sisters who convert to, the, to Islam, truly they embody this aspect of Siddiq which we born Muslims unfortunately are very far from. We got both. One foot here, one foot there. One foot in Islam, one foot in our desires. One foot in the sunnah and one foot in our cultural customs. As long as a sunnah doesn't go against my wife's desire, my husband's desire, I'll keep on doing it. And as soon as there's a conflict, then we throw out the sunnah and pick up on the cultural norms and the customs and the practices. And you'll see those brothers who've decided to convert, subhanAllah, they have truly done the sacrifice we cannot even understand. Throughout every single thing, that was not in line with the sunnah, had to get kicked out of their homes, banished by their, from their parents, all sorts of things they have willing to do because they truly love Allah. May Allah make you and I from amongst the Siddiqeen. May Allah fill our hearts with true love of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Imam, Imam Ghazali, he says, only the Siddiq are able to do this of what? Giving up sin. And so this is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, my beloved brothers, here, alhamdulillah, this is the first week of our academic calendar for our Alam course students and uh, our summer intensive as well. So we had a presentation just a few days ago on the whole spirituality aspects. What are we doing to ensure that our students are spiritually building upon themselves? Um, so we had three things. Because it's beneficial for you all too, so I'm sharing this with you. Three things. One is, the first point was mentorship. Second thing was relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the relationship of Allah is what we're, we're not talking about out like, um, you know, just general things. We're talking about very specific. After the we have an hour every day from 1.45 to 2.45. So this presentation was specifically about this one hour. What are we covering? So one was mentorship. One was uh, building relationship with Allah through recitation of the Quran, through dhikr, halaqa of dhikr, through a khatira or a reminder by one of the teachers and through memorization of hadith, four things. And then number three was making sure that, a third thing is building consistency and resilience within our students. So once they leave the four walls, they also remain consistent by having an a'mal, daily a'mal tracker. Right, daily a'mal tracker, litany, what you're doing every single day, tracked like that. Three things. Now, the, first, the second one I said is building connection with Allah Azza wa so we have a portion of a time when they recite Quran within this one hour we have a time when they sit and do dhikr with the teachers we have a time when they actually memorize hadith not to get into the detail of fiqh of the hadith the sanad and the chain of narration no these are such hadiths that are ready for immediate practice straightforward 
The reward of sunnah, the reward of miswak, the reward of entering the masjid with the right foot, the reward of i'tikaf in the masjid, the reward of, uh, of what you call wearing an amama, the reward of fasting and nawafin, etc. Simple things. It's, it's very obvious. Just practice on it. So you, now, alhamdulillah, we have a section. We have to memorize 100 a year of that. 100 hadith per year. You know, of, of, of those hadith that are easy for us to immediately start practicing on. And then khatira, the teacher, uh, twice a week, two of the asatita by rotation, will share some beautiful, inspiring pieces of knowledge that will make a person want to be get closer to Allah even more. So uh, Mufti bin Hajj teaches sometimes here, Al-Hikmah ibn Ata'Allah al-Askandar, he did in Ramadan. Right? So the, that's going to be taught. Gems from uh, the Hikam. Hikam means piece of wisdom. And another Ustad is going to be doing uh, gems from the Quran. So these are four things to create spirituality with Allah and your connection with Allah. But what was the first box I said was before that? Mentorship. That's mentioned before that. The reason is you, all of this is great. But if you've got serious issues in your life that you can't get rid of, you've got bad habits, you're suffering from trauma that, has, that happened in the past, you've got domestic issues at home, you have a disturbed environment at home, you have a broken relationship with your parents. You are in a haram relationship with some other individual, uh, etc. And the list goes on. How is this dhikr and dua going to help? If we've got all of these unsorted business, unattended business. You see what I mean? This is what we're talking about, ittaqil maharim. This is what we're talking about, sort out the basic things first. That if you want to do, if you want the dhikr and everything to be beneficial, you have to first address the white elephant in the room. Whatever that may be. If there is, it might be a small elephant. But nonetheless, I think everyone's got a, got a white elephant. Might not, might not be a herd. Some got a herd of them. Some just got one big one. Some got small ones, baby elephants. But there are issues that do not allow us to progress spiritually. And those issues need to be addressed. And we, if we could address, most of the time, we can't address it ourselves. Like everything else, we need a mentor. We need a, a, a doctor's visit. We need a, you get caught up in an issue, go see a lawyer. Similarly, you need to go see the spiritual doctor, or you need to go see a scholar and to discuss with them your issues that you're dealing with. And bit by bit, as much as whatever you want to open up to, whatever you want to open about, discuss that. So Alhamdulillah, we got that mentorship part every single day. There's four asatith that are going to be sitting for an hour. By rotation, every single student gets a chance to go meet a teacher and share it with whatever they would like to and discuss and come up with a plan. How am I going to get out of this mess? And how am I going to build? Sometimes it's just not a huge mess. Sometimes like, I don't know how to manage my time. I sleep late, wake up late, you know, things of that sort. Sometimes it could be beyond that. I don't know how to get off my phone. I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to social media. How am I supposed to get rid of that? Like, these are very common things. I'm not able to concentrate in my salah. I start falling asleep. As soon as you start doing dhikr, I start falling asleep. I can't keep my eyes open whenever a talk happens. Every time I sit there to recite Quran, I start feeling sleepy. And there's many things of this sort. Spiritual issues, emotional issues, uh, domestic issues that people are dealing with. Then you got the connection with Allah. And then lastly, what was it? Consistency and resilience after you leave. And so we have now, like we've had it from the past many years, like a dhikr chart. 
You choose, there's a menu options. And I, I've actually shared it with all of you in Ramadan. If you remember, we had it available here, if you guys remember, for those who are doing atikaf. Do you remember? We had that chart. Said, okay, you can choose. There's menu items here. What do you want to like? You like tahajjud? MashaAllah, choose it. You do, if you like ishraq, that's the easier one. Duha. Right? If you like awabin after maghrib, that's even easier. Just choose that. Choose what you like, how much you can handle. 100 istighfar, 500 istighfar. A thousand salawat, five hundred salawat. Reading surah says that in mulk. What can you do? You choose on the menu, and now every single day you keep that card with you, that sheet with you, and you mark it, and you make sure you complete it every single day. Now, do you, how long am I going to do this for? Until you don't need a chart. That that's part of who you are. That's your identity. You can't even fall asleep until you read surah mulk and surah sajda. You can't wake up properly off the bed without reading your du'as. You can't go to work without reading Surah Yasin. Your mind doesn't function in, at work without reading your Salat al-Ishraq. That's the goal. That we slowly do these a'mal at such a consistent level that it becomes our nature. So, why I mention that with you? Because I think you will find that beneficial. You can, you can bring these three things within your own lives reach out to someone, find a mentor in your life, connect yourself, make sure your daughters and sons have mentors, connect. Number two, work on your building your relationship with Allah. And number three, make sure it's just not a one-off Ashura excitement. There's consistency. That you're going to be doing something super regularly. And another reason why I mentioned this was mentorship was brought first. Because you got to leave out those things that are becoming detrimental in your journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we will, we will, alhamdulillah, end with this part today. And we'll cover, ta'ala, the next four, as Allah opens up doors for us in the next following weeks. But this was, ittaqil maharim. Stay away from those things which are forbidden. Takun a'bad nas You will become the greatest worshiper. So focus on not how much you're doing, but rather, what are the, 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 the don'ts? How much of the don'ts have we removed? And the biggest don'ts that we all need to remove from our lives is the unnecessary over usage or wrong usage of the internet and our cell phones this should be the priority in my opinion the biggest thing where everyone seems to be faltering and failing is the misuse and the overuse both misuse and or overuse of the cell phones and the internet if we can take care of this one big section of our life inshallah a massive big you know achievement I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla on this, on this day to grant us all tawfiq to work on this habit and allow our children to work on their habits. Allow our siblings, our parents, our spouses, all of us as a family unit to improve on this aspect of usage of the internet and cell phones. May He allow us to d- reduce the amount of time we are on technology, reduce the amount of time we are on our phones, reduce the amount of time we are on, on the net surfing things and the screen time that we have. And may He make that screen time, whatever we do have, to make it beneficial and not harmful for us in dunya or akhirah. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Um, before we conclude with dhikr and dua, I wanted to see if any brothers here uh, are willing to, inshallah, as you know, the, 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 the attendance for the program was a little bit less because student, people were traveling, our students were not here, etc. And Fajr is also very early. But as students have come back, people are slowly coming back from their vacations too. And inshallah, Fajr will be also getting later. We are going to be ha- trying to have a little bit, you know, uh, breakfast as well before, uh, usually we do but you know for this past couple of months it's been very slow and brothers would bring and then they would have to wonder how do we how do we you get the food utilized so alhamdulillah now we'll, from next week onwards inshallah we'll, we'll start bringing that back but I'm looking to see if there's anyone who would like to be a, a host 
So if there's anyone here, inshallah, who would like to host a breakfast, uh, you can either bring, uh, you know, you all know, you can bring something from home or you can just buy it or you can do that. You just uh, speak to one of the brothers, Mulan Farhan or one of the brothers in the office here and sponsor it and they will take care of their ordering and their purchasing. Um, it's about between three to five hundred and you can do it, you know, with uh, join it. My main point is not the three to five hundred dollars. The main purpose of being a host is that you actually act like a host by inviting people. Right? We can take care of our brothers here, our khidmat brothers and volunteers and students. We'll take care of the purchasing, serving, cleanup and everything. No problem. The main thing is we want you to bring the people. To say, hey, I am serving breakfast this Saturday morning, but it's not going to be at my house. You want to do, you want to do kitchri katta qima, you want to do halwa puri, you want to do pie, do whatever you want. That's not the point. The point is you're bringing friends this over. If, you, if any one of us took this passionately, you'll see, alhamdulillah, we'll be able to get 20 new people who otherwise would not usually come. So if those who are listening online, I request you, inshallah, if you can just message the masjid number or email us. And those who are here as well, if there's anyone, inshallah, please reach out to me because uh, we would like to, inshallah, open up now the, uh, the Saturday mornings um, for people who would like to host a breakfast, inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 
صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه 
اللهم انت السلام لك السلام والبركه يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم انا حسيت انا عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام العزه التي لا ترام اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم انك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين اللهم اصلح لنا ديننا الذي وعصمه امرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا اخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياه زياده لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحه لنا من كل شر والله يا سيدي اكسبت اور سيتينج هير اكسبت اور غادرينج اول ذوز وير لسنينج وير ايفر دي مي بي الله اكسبت ذير ساكريفايس اوف لسنينج ات ذس اور يا الله وي اسك يو يا الله تو جرانت اول اوف اس ثرو يور غريس اند ثرو يور ميرسي يا الله كومبليت فورغيفنس كومبليت فورغيفنس فور اور ميجر اند ماينر سينز جرانت اس ذا ابيليتي تو ريبنت فروم اول ذوز ميستيكس ذات وي هاف بين دوينج نوينغلي اور انوينغلي وانس اور ماني تايمز كولكتيفلي اور انديفيدجولي براد دي لايت اور ان ذا داركنس اندر ذا داركنس اوف ذا نايت يا الله اند ذا كفرز of the night ya allah whatever mistakes we may have done doing ya allah be it from the hands be it from the feet be it from the mind be it for the eyes be it from the ears be it from the tongue o allah be it from the heart ya allah be, be it regards to our relationships with others be it with regards to our finances ya allah whichever flaw major or minor sin we have been involved in the past we ask you ya allah ya allah ya allah through only through your grace that you grant all of us a true sense of remorse a true sense of remorse a true sense of remorse and a strength and ability and the will power to be able to give those sins up immediately and ya allah then to ya allah to seek your forgiveness beg you for your forgiveness ya allah and then to remain steadfast from it upon it ya allah oh allah and if it has to do with the rights of others allow us to ya allah make it up to those brothers and sisters whose rights we have usurped ya allah facilitate for us facilitate for us make it easy for us make it easy for us ya allah to fulfill the rights of those whose rights we have taken ya allah oh allah we ask you allah to do not hold us accountable on the day of judgment. Ya Allah, allow us to, to sort all these things out in this dunya. Oh Allah, please do not hold us accountable for the rights of others on the day of judgment. Ya Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to allow any right that we have not been able to take care of, or we find it difficult, or those people have moved on, or whatever the case may have been. Ya Allah, we beg you forgiveness that you reward them with such a huge reward on the day of judgment. That Ya Allah, that they will not be wanting to come after us. Ya Allah, oh Allah, allow all those whose rights we have taken. Ya Allah, to be granted such beautiful levels of highest levels of Jannah. Ya Allah, and such forgiveness from you. Ya Allah, that they would be willing to. Ya Allah, take that in, instead of coming and taking our good deeds and placing their sins upon us. Ya Allah, oh Allah, please we cannot handle that. Ya Allah, oh Allah, please shield us from anyone and everyone else from the creation. Ya Allah, oh Allah, and then when it comes to your rights, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, you are Arhamur Rahimin, you are Akramul Akramin. Oh Allah, we. ask you ya allah to please ya allah you whether we acknowledge it or not you will always be the greatest oh allah even if we did not acknowledge it the way we should have even if we were not grateful to you the way we should have oh allah your greatness your grandeur has not been diminished at all oh allah if we missed a prayer we missed our dhikr we missed fulfilling any command of yours oh allah your greatness remains as is ya allah oh allah yes we know we've harmed ourselves by depriving ourselves of ibadah we've harmed ourselves by committing major or minor sins oh allah but you forgiving us will not diminish your greatness oh allah forgiving us will not weaken you ya allah oh allah you have no one to prove you have nothing to prove to anyone ya allah you are great ya allah you are most powerful you are most capable of avenging yourself you are most capable of destroying anyone and everything ya allah oh allah we ask you ya allah we ask you ya allah that you please grant us forgive us ya allah for forgiveness does not hurt you ya allah does not affect you ya allah oh allah but for us our life depends on this oh allah your forgiveness your mercy our life depends on this this is the only lifeline that we have oh allah if you do not forgive us if you do not have shower mercy upon us oh allah then we would become ya allah
Ya Allah, destined to the hellfire. We'll be destined to, to, for your wrath. And that is something which we cannot handle. Oh Allah, that is something which we cannot handle. Protect us from your wrath, Ya Allah. Protect us from your wrath. Oh Allah, protect us from the place where your wrath is manifested, i.e. in the hellfire, Ya Allah. Protect us from the hellfire, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, protect us from the punishment of the grave. Protect us from difficulties and challenges in this world, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever challenges we are going through in this world at the moment, grant us all victory in them, Ya Allah. Grant us all victory in them, Ya Allah. Grant us all victory in them. Oh Allah, please safeguard our youth. Please safeguard our children. Please safeguard the iman in their hearts and our hearts. Oh Allah, please safeguard their chastity. Oh Allah, please safeguard their chastity. Please safeguard their honor. Oh Allah, please safeguard their, their thought process, Ya Allah, from becoming alter, alterated, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, we ask you, Allah, to, to grant our children and our youth, Ya Allah, steadfastness in the face of all the fitna that they're facing in schools and colleges. Oh Allah, as the new academic year comes to, uh, close to, open, to opening up and starting up, oh Allah, allow all of us to, Ya Allah, be protected from the filth of the, of, of, of the educational system, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, from all of those agendas, Ya Allah, and Ya Allah, that are being pushed down the throat of our kids, Ya Allah, in libraries, in schools, and in, in, in across the nation and across the world, Ya Allah, in universities. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect our innocent children, Ya Allah, from being affected by that. Allow us, as parents, to make the proper moves and proper, Ya Allah, arrangements so that our children, Ya Allah, are not, are not exposed to that as much as possible, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, please, Ya Allah, allow us to make sacrifices, allow us to make proper sacrifices, allow us to make proper terbiyah, allow us to make proper decisions for our children. They'll become a means of safeguarding them from falling into this fitna, Ya Allah. All of those who have fallen into this fitna, those whose kids, whose siblings have fallen, whose, whose spouses have fallen into this fitna, we ask you to revive them, Ya Allah. Rescue them, rescue them, rescue them, rescue them, Ya Allah. Bring them back, Ya Allah. Allah bring them back to the full deen, Ya Allah. Bring them back to the true deen, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever issues any one of us are going through, spiritual, emotional, physical, mental, Ya Allah, relationship ones. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, you are well aware of those issues more than anyone else. We ask you, Allah, to grant us fall forgiveness, uh, uh, remove our problems from our from these uh, facets of our life. Grant us shifa, grant us cure from any and all spiritual and physical diseases, Ya Allah. Put barakah in our sustenance. Those who lost their jobs, Ya Allah, make it easier and then find better jobs. Allah, those who are, who are afraid of losing their jobs, Ya Allah, allow their, allow their fear to be removed. Allow them to have halal risk, Ya Allah, halal tayyib risk that will not come between them and the serving the deen, Ya Allah. Allah, protect this masjid, this madrasa. All the staff members, students, Ya Allah, teachers, their families, Allah, musallis, Ya Allah, our attendees of the programs, Allah, the well-wishers, the donors, and all those who are somehow or another connected to this institution, as well as all the other masajid, all the other madaris, and all the institutions. We ask you to grant Iman to all of them, Ya Allah. Steadfastness, Iman to all of them. Steadfastness, Iman upon all of them. Forgiveness, Ya Allah, from all our major minor sins, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant our parents long life and health. Allow us to serve them. Those of us whose parents have passed away, fill their graves with nur, become pleased with them. Grant us the ability to become a sadaqa jariya for them. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to increase in our knowledge, increase in our dhikr. Oh Allah, make us amongst the dhakirin, make us amongst the dhakirin, make us amongst the tulab al-ilm, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, much, whatever was shared today, make it easy for that to become a proof for us on the Day of Judgment, not a proof against against us, Ya Allah. Allah, whatever we share today, allow the speaker and the listeners all to immediately put into practice and allow, allow the, all of us to share with others who will put into practice, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant shifa to all those who are suffering any type of illness. Oh Allah, our student, Ya Allah, who's been sick, uh, uh, is suffering from, uh, Ya Allah, from a stroke. Allah, one of the young girls of the madrasa, Ya Allah, who still yeah, has not recovered. Allah, we ask you to, from your infinite treasures to grant her complete shifa. Allah, we ask you to grant her complete shifa. We ask you to grant her complete shifa. Allah, allow her memory to be restored. Allah, allow her physical strength to be restored. Allow her to be, begin to speak. Allah, properly. Allow her to, Ya Allah, be able to walk. We allow her to be able to talk. Allow her to be able to eat. Allah, allow her, Ya Allah, to be, to be rejuvenated and given the life and the healthy life she had as a young teenager. Allah, Allah, 
grant her all the siha and afiyah that she had. Oh Allah, her parents are going through a huge test. Her siblings are going through a huge test. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant them all immense reward for their patience and allow this patience to become a means of amazing futuhat and oh, great openings in this dunya and akhirah to happen for this sabr, ya Allah. Oh Allah, all those who are suffering any type of illness similar to this, worse than this, young, smaller than this, oh Allah, we ask you to grant them similarly, ya Allah, shifa'i kamil ajil mustamir. Ya Allah, consistent, long-lasting shifa, ya Allah. And oh Allah, grant them all sabr as well. Oh Allah, grant forgiveness to, the, to all the deceased of the ummah, ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever khair and good Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa asked you have grant us that good. Whatever evil the Prophet sallallahu has sought refuge in you from, grant us refuge from that. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen. InshaAllah, we should perform four rakah, salatul duha, salatul ishraq. You can recite anything you would like to recite in there, no specific surah. And the barakah, the blessing of that is one who sits after fajr all the way till sunrise in ibadah, in dhikr, in contemplation, and then performs salatul ishraq. After performing two rakah, Allah Azza wa will grant uh, him, inshallah, a reward, an honorary reward of an accepted hajj and umrah. And the other two rakah, inshallah, whatever needs he has of the day, Allah will fulfill them. So inshallah, with that niyyah, let us perform four rakah salah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.